Yep. All right. All right, guys, I'm going to turn things over to Jerry. Okay. So I hope everybody, uh, if you got some coffee. Um, yeah, thanks for the tab. Good, good. I hope you enjoy it. Good. Good. So, uh, so I just want to talk about uh, my own leadership journey. And, uh, you know, the joke is someday I'm going to write a book, A Thousand Ways How Not to Plant a Church. You know, it's going to be a great book. Yeah, be, make, buy a copy. Uh, so, um, you know, along the way, so I, I love the, certainly the three circles around what I know about myself, what I know about God, what I know about others. And um, so let me just tell you a little bit about, let me give you a little background uh, and then, uh, then kind of bring you to the place where uh, I planted 24 years ago. And, uh, and then just kind of what happened in, in that journey. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about a train wreck in my own life uh, in that journey of leadership. And, and then just how that, how that formed and how God used that. Um, a couple of things that uh, I've given you or I want to give you. One is uh, this um, God's Amazing Answers to Prayer. Uh, this was put together by uh, our director of our prayer ministry here, Nancy Newbro. Nancy's how old? 80? 70? Uh, 76, 77 years old. Anyway, she's been at the fellowship about 22, 23 years, something like that. And anyway, uh, she's been heading up our prayer ministry all that time. And she came to me about 19 years ago, and she said, you know, God has been stirring in my heart, and, and I believe that what God is asking me to do is to trust him for an, an answer to prayer every single Sunday. And so from that time on, every Sunday in what we call our program or a bulletin, there was included a answer to prayer, a story, okay? Every Sunday for 19 plus years. Wow. Not, not a single Sunday missed. And so we had people all over the United States who would send in prayer requests, all the people in our congregation, families, send in a prayer request. Would you pray for this? And then as God would answer those prayers, then people would write a story. She said, well, would you talk about how God answered that prayer? And so she, they would write a story. She'd edit it. And then she'd put it into the Sunday program. Okay? So you just do the math. That's about 1,000-plus stories or th almost 1,000 stories of answered prayer. She went through all of those stories. Uh, about two years ago, she started. This was a labor of love, but it took her about two years. But she went through... All of those stories and pulled out 365 stories, uh, stories of salvation, stories of healing, stories of, of families being restored, uh, stories all over. Anyway, she put them together in a daily devotional uh, with a scripture and a prayer and a story. And uh, we just uh, printed these uh, back in the fall. And uh, I wanted to give you a copy of it. Uh, it's just a daily devotional. Uh, I know you've got lots of devotionals. You probably have, you know, plenty that you do. But if you ever want to, maybe just uh, use something like this. It's just a great resource. Um, and if you want to buy one, they're certainly available uh, for sale. But I'm going to give, I want to give you this one, okay? Um, and then also, uh, I want to give you what we call our step track, and this is our membership to mission. Uh, we just developed this last year uh, as we have gone multi-site. Uh, we said, you know, we are trying to 
make sure our systems and our structures are simple, reproducible from site to site. And so we wanted a way to capture uh, what it means, everything from membership to mission. And so we have what we call uh, our Discover, Discover the Fellowship class, which is kind of our step, uh, our first step. Uh, and then we do a step in, step up, and step out. And our step in is all about groups and, uh, and then how to use your spiritual gifts and how to get, live generously. And then our step up is about leadership and leadership development. And Gail's going to be sharing more about that. By the way, this is my wife, Gail. And uh, Gail is our director of leadership development and, uh, and also heads up faith walking. And you'll be hearing a little bit about that as well. Uh, and then step out is what, what does it look like to be on mission with God uh, in the places you live, work, and play? And so our, both, both our uh, kind of this is just discipleship, basic, what does it mean to be uh, at the fellowship, and then what does it mean to uh, be on mission uh, with God in the place you live, work, and play? Uh, our spiritual formation process is called faith walking. Uh, and it is, it is about empowering and equipping people to live the missional life. And uh, we, we define it kind of as Dallas Willard defined it when he said, you know, a disciple is someone who would live the life that Jesus would live if he were living the life you live. So it's kind of a tongue twister, but it, it asks the question, how would Jesus live your life if he were living the life you live with your unique gifts, personalities, temperaments, experiences, your family, your neighbors, uh, your vision, your heart, uh, how Jesus would live your life in your context with all that you have is different than how he would live my life in my context, my family, my neighbors, etc. Uh, but how would Jesus live that life and, and how can we fully surrender to that and be on mission with God, not for God, uh, but with him, joining him in those places uh, where he is uh, as we live, work, and play. And so we want to be very organic, very natural, very much part of the rhythms of our life, and faith walking has been a huge part. So uh, I want to give you that book, and then also the DVD. We created some videos that kind of go with it, where we describe it and go through the process. So if you want it, it's available. Uh, love for you to have it just as a resource. Uh, it, you, can, you can plagiarize it, copy it, make it your own, <laughs> do whatever you want with it. Uh, feel free, uh, as is any of our stuff that we give you. Uh, it's stuff we've developed, and it's yours, so feel free to use it however uh, God would, uh, would just lead you to. So, so uh, I, I was, uh, uh, came, to, came to Christ uh, about, uh, as a nine-year-old boy, uh, El Paso, Texas. My father was in the military. I grew up in the military. And uh, uh, just was in a little Sunday school class. Just, I mean, the Holy Spirit just came upon me. Deep conviction just wept. Uh, in a little cinder block room with a bunch of nine-year-old boys who all looked at me like, what is the problem with that guy, you know? It's just, but just, just conviction knowing uh, that I needed Christ. And uh, so that just began a journey for me, um, uh, you know, along the way. Uh, there was still, I, I uh, you know, my mom died when I was like, just two, when I was real young. She was, she was very young, and my father remarried, and so I have a half-sister, stepsister, and real sister. You know, three different sisters. I was the only boy. Growing up in a very dysfunctional family, my dad was an alcoholic. Um, and, and along the way, just deep woundedness around not being good enough, uh, having to do things on my own. Um, and along the way, uh, in my deep woundedness of trying to 
um, get it right. You know, we, in faith walking, you know, we, we talk about, the, the and, and you guys know this, I mean, in your first formation, as we like to say, uh, you know, you learn, you learn how to show up. Uh, you learn how to show up in this world in order for people to like you, in order to get love and affection and appreciation and affirmation and to feel safe. And, uh, and, and my way uh, was uh, to really be what Brennan Manning calls a poser, faker, and wannabe. And uh, those are three words that really uh, defined my life. Uh, I, was a, I was a consummate liar. I, and, and if I caught a fish that was one pound, I would tell you it was two pounds because one pound wasn't good enough. So my deep wounded was no matter what I did, it was never good enough. And so I had to, I, I had to be better than what, what I really was in order for you to uh, affirm me, love me, appreciate me, those kind of things. So I just had this deep woundedness around that. And so um, I just, I just lied. Uh, I was really good at it. Um, uh, you know, stretch the truth, all those kind of things. So uh, when it, uh, after I graduated, I felt called to ministry at 17. I worked for Texas Baptist Men, did summer missionary work, felt called at the age of 17 to go into ministry. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know if that was going to be pastoring or doing student ministry or medical missions. I had no idea. I just knew God had called me and said, you know, I I'm going to do this. And so, um, but that was in 77 uh, when I felt that call. And for 10 years... Uh, God did kind of had me on a journey. I spent three years in the 82nd Airborne. I was a paratrooper and paramedic. Um, I got out of the military, went to Baylor, did my undergraduate psychology. I thought I was going to be a medical missionary. Started in, started my pre-med. Thought that was sounded really cool, be pre-med, um, and flunked out of math. Just can't do the Amen. math kind of thing. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. Some brothers who are affirming me. Uh, couldn't do the math. Um, Best thing at Baylor, met Gail, and uh, that, was the, that was the best thing uh, at Baylor. So we got married at Baylor. Uh, after Baylor, I went to work for Procter & Gamble in sales management. So I got a, uh, I call it my million-dollar business education. Went to work for them for a few years, went to work for another company, and, uh, and then left the corporate world and started seminary. Really felt called uh, to start seminary. Went to Southwestern Theological Seminary up in Fort Worth. I uh, was a youth youth and music guy uh, at a little town in Terrell. You know where Terrell, Texas is? Outside, of the, it's where a, a, a state hospital is. You know, asylum, you know, kind of a psycho place, you know, out there? And so if you say you, you're from Terrell, they ask, so uh, how long have you been out? And I was like, no, no, no. So, but I was pastoring, I was just uh, the youth and worship guy there for about 18 months, and then I felt God called me to pastor while I was in seminary. So I went to a little church in Garland, pastored there three and a half years, uh, and uh, while I was up there, I had a good friend uh, and, uh, who went on to pastor a church in L.A., a guy named Erwin McManus, if you guys read any of his stuff. Anyway, Erwin was up in Dallas, and uh, while I was up there, he was doing a conference down here. He met a pastor. They were talking, and uh, the guy said, hey, I, I want a guy like what you're talking about to come and help, and so he contacted me. I ended up down at First Baptist Katy, uh, just about a 100-year-old church trying to do something really exciting. And uh, so they brought me down to take an old church and transition it into something contemporary and modern and missional and, 
And uh, you already know where that went, man. That was about, that was about eight months. Uh, I was going strong, and as I like to tell people, I was a freight train moving about 90, 100 miles an hour down the track, and someone pulled one of those emergency levers, and I mean, that baby pitched forward, sparks flying. Uh, it came to a screeching halt. And uh, I tell you, it was, it was incredibly painful, uh, but the pastor at the time there said, I've never seen my ministry unravel before my eyes, and it is, and I can't take it anymore. And so we just brought that thing to a screeching halt. So I uh, asked God, so God, why'd you bring me down here? My wife was asking the same thing. <laughs> why'd you drag me all the way down here, you know? Uh, and uh, I'll never forget, I went to a conference uh, in January of uh, 94, uh, yep, in January of 94, I was listening to the Johnson Brothers. They're out of the Baptist General Conference, church planters with Leif Anderson out of Minnesota. And those guys were passionate about church planting. I mean, they were just insane. And I sat there and listened. I had never thought of myself as a church planter, not in a million years, didn't know anything about it. The only thing back in the 90s and 80s for church planting was uh, Bob Logan's toolkit for church planters a set of cassette tapes and uh, and Rick Warren had written a paper for the North American Mission Board predating purpose driven so if you want to read something that's really cool he wrote a paper it was called Cameo and Cameo stood for Contemporary Approaches to Ministry Evangelism and Organization and really the, the paper that he wrote is the paper that <laughs> describes Saddleback at its inception and really what made Saddleback what it is today so that's available. I think I've got a copy of it, even if you if you want it. But I remember reading that, and that's about all that was out there. So I listened to these two guys talk about church planting, and I got to admit, I, I just like God got a hold of my heart. I came back. I told the uh, the, the pastor at First Baptist Katie. Uh, I just told him. I said, "So I know what God's called me to. He called me to plant a church." Now this is where this is where I'm telling you, don't do this. So I, I was in January, like first two weeks in January, I listened to this. I say, I'm going to plant a church. My first service, February the 13th. And, I mean, in like four weeks. I was, this is, this is how I describe myself, ignorance on fire. I mean, I, I'm saying I was passionate. Yes, God, this is what you're going to do, but I was as ignorant as they come. I had no idea what I was doing. And I, I, I told the First Baptist Katie what I was going to do. Could I tap some families? I started recruiting, and they said, stop. I got about 10 families to go with me. I didn't have any money. And so I said, could I, borrow, could I have some money? And they said, okay, we'll give you $20,000, but you got to pay it back. So I had $20,000. I bought an old bread truck or bread trailer. I made all my own equipment. I hired a, a guy to be a part-time worship pastor who was basic a worship leader, and he was playing the bars on Saturday nights, coming in with his equipment, and boy, it stunk, you know, and they all come together, and, and so, but, uh, so it all, uh, all just happened, and, uh, and God bless, I mean, you know, within eight months, I had paid back the 20000 um, and but, of course, I had to plant the church and also be on staff at the church to continue to get have my salary paid there. But after eight months, then 
I said, I'm, I'm ready. I got to give my full-time blessing to this and work hard. So paid back the 20,000. I had some cash left. We went and we planted. And, um, and so in two and a half years, two years, we were about 250 and growing. And, uh, and then, and then we had a, a train wreck and, and the, tra well, I tell everybody the train wreck was me. So, so here's, here's something. I prayed two prayers when I started the fellowship. Say, so number one, God, I want to I begin something I can give my life to. That was the first prayer I prayed. I, I don't, I don't want to be a – some people are catalytic church planters. You know, they, they start something. They're there two, three years. They develop the leadership, and then they hand it off, and they go and plan another thing. And then they're there two or three years. They hand it off. They go plan it. And I love those guys. That's great. But that just wasn't me. I mean, God had called me here. I had this sense of – uh, if you if you ever heard of like the idea of a theology of place, you know where God calls you to a context and you you sense God there and that God's rooted you and called you there. I just had this theology of place. This this God is here. God is with me. God, I want to start something I can give my life to. So that was the thing. I first thing I prayed. Here's the second prayer I prayed. And and um, you can pray this prayer, but pray it at your own peril. Okay, your own risk. This is the second prayer though. God, I don't ever want to be the bottleneck. Do whatever you need to do in me to make me the pastor that I need to be for the people in that season and that time. Because one of the leadership principles we all know is you can't take people further than you yourself have gone. You can't do it. And generally, God is doing something in you before he ever is leading the congregation, before he's ever leading the church. And pastors are notorious to go into conference, get an idea, coming back, kind of like me in church planting, right? And so you get it, I'm going to do it and go. But what, what does God want to do in you first to prepare you? So <clears throat> I made a, I prayed those two prayers, and by God's grace, I mean, he's been faithful for, to both of those. I mean, here I am. It's, it's been 20, over 24 years since we planted, um, and, uh, and God has done a, a huge work in my life. I, I am not who I was when I planted. Uh, there's no doubt about it. My wife will tell you that God has grown me, uh, my heart. Uh, grown uh, me spiritually, uh, relationally, uh, emotionally, uh, in huge ways, and uh, and yet I know I'm still growing. I'm, man, I love it. I I'm more passionate than I've ever been about pastoring and about starting campuses and planting churches and reaching people for Christ. And uh, so I I'm going to keep doing this, and I'll probably slow down and hand it off to another guy. You know when I'm you know, seven or eight, nine years. But um, right now, I mean, I, I full bore tilt, man. Damn the torpedoes and full speed ahead. So, um, but uh, the train wreck uh, really was it, was, it was a crisis of leadership. So here, here's basically what happened is uh, overnight, I had about 100 people leave. And they left because of me, because... Uh, because my leadership style and you know was just limited, I, I was a. If you're familiar with situational leadership by Ken Blanchard, there are basically four styles. You know, there's this telling uh, style, there's the selling or persuading style, then there's a supportive or participatory style, and then a delegatory style. And I had two basic styles: telling and selling. So I could tell you what to do, and and believe it or not, those two styles are incredibly important for church planters because most people who join you go they look to you and go tell me what to do and you've got to be able with confidence say i need you to do this 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 and this 
you got to know how to tell people what you need from them. So that, that's an important style of leadership. And it's based upon people who are confident. That is, they are there. They want their passion, but they're not competent. That is, they don't know what it is that you need them to do. So you need to tell them, hey, here's what I need to do. Here's how you do that. And so you know, they're there, and you need the telling. Then there's, this, there's a persuading. There are people who, you know, they, they, they maybe are competent, but, you know, or they're not competent or confident, and you need to not only tell them what to do, but you need to tell them why they need to do that. And so you got to do more persuading and more selling. Well, I had both of those styles down. The problem is, is that most of the leaders are more competent and confident, and you have to delegate to them. Now, I was good at dumping, not delegating. You know, the difference is, you know, when you start out, the main criteria for being in your church and serving, you know what it is, right? A pulse. I mean, you just look for something. Somebody says, I'll help you. you go, oh, praise Jesus, you're here. Come on, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're alive, and they're, they got a beating heart, and you're like, I'll find some place for you, and that's the, that's the main requisite. You're just, you just want people to get in there and want what you want and help you. So, and, and I was more than happy just to dump on people. The problem is when you dump on people is, you know, you set people up, you know, for failure. Um, and, and you, you know, I just needed people to do, to do jobs. Um, and so I, I, could, I could dump. I wasn't really good at supportive or participatory styles of leadership. So really what happened was I had a group of leaders who said, basically, you don't need us anymore. Now, there is a principle in church planting and leadership, and it's called scaffolding. And if you've ever heard that term, it basically it's you're going to have a group of people that plant with you. And many times if they come from a mother church and they come to help you, uh, they may go back. And so a lot of times, you know, when you build a building, you put the scaffolding up and they're putting the brick all up. And when the brick's up, the scaffolding comes down. There are many people who will be leaders with you that are scaffolding. Okay, so you need to be prepared for that and give them permission because a lot of times they want to know, hey, is it okay if I come and plant with you for one year? Or two years and then I'm gonna go back and that's that's a scaffolding kind of idea that there are people there so th- those are just kind of leadership things and so I, I knew some of them would go back but I didn't realize it was just gonna be a mass exodus of leadership and when I talked to guys what I realized was uh, I didn't know how to lead leaders I knew how to lead followers I didn't know how to lead leaders I felt very threatened by uh, I felt very threatened by the vision and the visions of others and strong leadership. So when people, when I said, hey, man, this is, this is where we're going, and someone gave me an alternate view or a different opinion, then I kicked into persuasion. And I said, it, well, the reason you think differently is you just don't understand everything. So let me help you understand. Because if you know all the facts and you can see it like I see it, then you'll, you'll agree with me and we'll move forward together. And so I was great, and what I didn't realize is that I just overpowered people, and I just talked you down until you just wouldn't talk anymore, and I thought that your silence meant that you were on board when in reality you were just acquiescing. And so eventually people thought, well, you know, you don't listen. Uh, you know, you're not listening to me. You don't, you're not, you know, I, you're, I'm not, how can I contribute, wow. you know? So these guys were leaders, and eventually they left. And, and people that they had influence with left too. Yeah. So, man, I mean, I, I was broken. And what happened was God used that to also, not just my leadership, 
but to reveal those things that were underneath the surface. You know, the big iceberg, you know, the stuff you see at the top, but there's a whole bunch of stuff underneath it, the character stuff. And I realized things like that I was an approval addict, which was a big part of why I would lie and why I would do and say the things I would do because I want people to approve of me, and that I was a workaholic. Um, I found a huge amount of my self-worth in the role of pastoring and in my hard work and, and the success of what I was doing. So not was I was an approval addict, but I was a workaholic. And I mean, I was just, I got up to my, I got in front of the church and I just confessed. I wept one Sunday morning in front of the church. I said, you know, next week, uh, you know, 100 people are gone, there's 150 here. You know, next week there may be 50, who knows? But I just need to confess that I gotta get, I gotta figure this out. I gotta figure this out. So it, it took me on a journey. I contacted a friend of mine, Jim Harrington. Some of you might know him. Uh, he was actually the executive director of uh, Union Baptist Association at the time. And they had started this leadership, uh, two-year leadership program. And I jumped in there and became a part of it. And it really began a journey for me of doing self-leadership, of, of kind of understanding the brokenness in my life. And, and, and it helped me understand the church and systems and leadership and and eventually that, that really played out for about six years. Not only I went through it, but then I was part of the faculty and taught and did some development in it. And, uh, and God began to do a real work in my heart. Um, and that was, a, that was just a huge part for me. Now, I, I still wrestled, with, I still wrestled with, with lying. I mean, <laughs> Mrs. Payne, what a name, right? She was, the, she was the elementary principal at Fielder Elementary where we started. One day she calls me and she says, hey, Jerry, can we use the projector for a PTA meeting? I was like, absolutely. Okay, it's like a month away. It's a Monday night, you know, kind of thing. Well, she called me several times to remind me, remind me, remind me. The Monday night shows up. The projector's not there. She calls me. And I go, well, I don't know why it's not up there. The guy I told to bring it up there and set it up, I don't know why he didn't do that. Of course, I was lying. I mean, I was embarrassed. She caught me, you know. I just totally... So I went and got the projector, set it up, you know, and, and got it all there. I get home, and the Holy Spirit just like, you know, hits me upside the head. Jerry, you know, there, there you are, you know, managing your image. So I called Mrs. Payne the next morning. I said, Mrs. Payne, this is Pastor Jerry. Yeah. I said, do you remember when I told you yesterday about the, yeah. I said, I lied to you. You lied to me? Well, you're a pastor, Pastor Jerry. You know, she she was she was nice, but she's being a little, you know. I was like, yeah, I know, I know. I just lied to you, you know. But hey, coming clean is painful, you know. And uh, but but you know, I I just had to do that. And so I, I along and there are lots of stories in the past, but lots of stuff where I've just had to journey in making a commitment to ruthless honesty in the midst of my brokenness. And and so I tell people all the time. So here's the thing: I had to. And, and this may sound kind of funny or not, but I had to give up on my spiritual reputation. Yes. Amen. I had to give up on my spiritual reputation. Amen. Even today, we have new member, you know, discover the fellowship classes. We have people right here, and they, they show up. And, and, you know, one of the things I just say to them is, you know what, I love you, but I, I can't afford to care what you think about me. Okay? I mean, I can't, you know, because, because if I care, I'm an approval <laughs> addict, and so if I care what you think about me, I will lie, I will manipulate you, I will do everything I can to get you to approve of me and like me. 
And I said, I've given up on that. I can't afford to do that. I, 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 want, I want to hear God say, well done, and good, yeah. good and faithful servant. I, I want to seek my approval from the Lord, not from men. But part of my brokenness is that, that I just needed that from men. And I recognized I was putting a lot of what, who I was in that, in that place. So it's been a journey for me. The real journey uh, that, uh, for me that happened, though, uh, was in the area of, of faith walking. So uh, out, of, out of the leader's journey, which was the leadership school, part of that I went through, part of it was on, on personal transformation. And that became the genesis uh, if you read guys like Foster and Dallas Willard and, you know, trying to understand. So, you know, what is this thing called the false self or the first self? And, and, when, you, and when you become a follower of Jesus, why is it that the words that Paul says, where he says, the things that I don't want to do are the things that I do. And the very things I want to do, I don't. I mean, why does that resonate with so many of us? Well, because even though we're saved... From our sin, there is still sin in our pre- in our lives. We're not perfect, you know. We're, we're this process of sanctification, and there is this battle going on in us. And and if you don't understand how that how the first self got formed, then then you won't understand how it's showing up in the present. And one of the principles in faith walking and in leadership is the past is always present. <laughs> it just is, and you can bury your past, and you can. You know, forget the past, you know, I look to the future kind of thing. But the reality is, even though you're forgiven, you don't have any chains, you know, it's all gone, but the impact is still present. And so there may be things going on today in your life that the past is present. And so if you don't understand how it's showing up in your life today, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your leadership, then you know what? You're going to keep doing what you're doing and you're going to keep getting what you're getting. So, So we started, I started going through a faith walking uh, and man, it it rocked my world, changed my life. I went through it. Eventually, uh, brought our elders through it, and uh, it is our spiritual formation process here. And along the way, one of the things we recognize is that the best leaders were guys coming out of faith walking, because not only were they getting access to understanding. How their own brokenness, but then how God had redeemed it or wanted to redeem it, and how they could live out of this missional new self and and how do you do that in light of this ongoing brokenness that you've experienced how do you do that so faith walking has become a powerful part and i'm an man i'm an i'm really am a a huge proponent of it um gail uh also went through faith walking uh as well and it's made a huge difference not only in our marriage uh but our staff and our elders and our leaders eventually gail became uh, the director of faith walking and, uh, and gave leadership to that and has done a fabulous job. And then, you know, when we decided to go to multi-site, uh, one of the things we knew was we really needed to invest in our leaders. And so we went through, if you remember the Leadership Network, uh, we did their leadership development cohort. And even as we kind of went through that, uh, we recognized, man, wow, we need someone to champion leadership. And so, uh, you know, Gail... Uh, stepped into uh, the leadership development because Gail uh, just has an incredible gift uh, of leadership that comes out both organizationally uh, as well as her 
her, her gifts uh, in organization and just is really powerful. Um, uh, also, so that, that's kind of been a big part of our journey. The other thing is I, uh, about six years ago, uh, I, I say, when did I start? I got married, it's probably been 10 years ago. D-men. Yeah, that, about 10 years ago, I started uh, a D-men and, uh, and I, I did it in transformational leadership for the global city uh, through Baki Graduate University. And when I, about five years ago, then I did my dissertation. And my dissertation was called for leadership, the practice uh, of following first and leading second. Because one of the things that in my research, one of the things that I recognized in my own life and in the lives of others was, and I was going to draw this up here real quick. Do we have a marker? Can you throw me a And uh, I think that Chad has a copy of the dissertation because I, I sent it out. I want you all to have it. You're welcome to read it, use it. But one of the things that I recognized was that um, this down here was um, influence, and up here was it uh, was integrity. I, I created what's called a full leadership matrix, and it looked like this. That in the beginning, I, what I discovered was in the beginning of ministry, we really rely heavily on our our disciplines. Okay, so that's our spiritual disciplines. Here's the demands, and as you um, as the, your ministry grows, the demands increase. Okay, and at some point, the demands in ministry um, outpace your uh, spiritual practices. And, and, and it's kind of like what Luther said: the busier my day, the earlier I get up. That's not my practice. How about you? busier my day, usually what happens is I, I skip my quiet time or I do less of it because I've got more meetings today. <laughs> All right, And that's what happened. So, so I interviewed about, uh, interviewed uh, four guys in our city that all had moral failure. Uh, they had moral failure at, at big churches too. Uh, and, and in the process, one of the things all of them said was uh, Basically, that the demands of ministry became greater than their their relationship with Christ. This right here, uh, this decline, this precipitous decline. This is this is what's called um, this is what's called a uh, this is a uh, a, a lagging uh, indicator because uh, it, you could stop. I mean, let's face it. You can be have a very successful ministry and you could stop. Praying as much as you pray, stop reading the Bible, yeah. stop disciplines, and your ministry can continue to grow. Yeah. Okay? There are a lot of guys doing that lead very successful ministries who aren't walking with Christ the way maybe they used to. Okay? And they have very successful ministries. Yeah. All right? The problem is this is going down, and then this is moral failure. And we wonder why here's this mega church, successful pastor, everything's going great, and then all of a sudden we hear he fell. Well, chances are that there was some kind of decision point back here in his leadership where you know, he made some decisions about his relationship with Christ, about his, his success or his, uh, what he could and couldn't do or what he needed. Things like that. And that, that really was true in, in all the cases. So, uh, as in the case, 
for me and what I tell everyone is uh, the Bible says more about following than it does leading. Leadership is sexy. Everybody wants to be a leader. We don't, we don't tell our kids, hey, I want you to grow up and be a follower. I mean, that sounds like this, you know, mind-numbing mass kind of, you know, you, we want you just to follow somebody. You know, I want to be a follower. No, we want our kids to be leaders because leaders are the best. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says followers are the best. Now, they're talking about followers of Jesus. And what happens is a lot of times in leadership is we co-opt the world's view of leadership. Leadership's about being in charge. Leadership's about being the best. Leadership's about being in front. Leadership is about people following me. And so we get caught up with this idea that, man, leadership is sexy and good. And, man, I want to be a leader. And, and you're, you're going to set yourself up. And you're going to set your people up. What we need to be is chief followers and, and learn to follow first. Because followership, and here's the deal, followership is what gives your leadership integrity. So as soon as, again, as long as you're following and you're following paces with your ministry demands and you, that's your biggest commitment is to follow, you're going to have integrity in your ministry. That is, you're going to have wholeness in your ministry. When you stop following your ministry, eventually the cracks will show. Okay? And, and you won't see it initially because you'll continue to see the upward climb of success. But eventually, it will catch up with you. Do not fool yourself. Follow first, lead second. And, and practice the disciplines necessary of, of authenticity, of transparency, of solitude, of silence, of, of having accountability, of seeking God, of growing, of learning, of doing the hard heart work that is necessary in our process of sanctification. You know, there are no perfect people and no perfect pastors. And just give up on your spiritual reputation. I mean, if people, I tell people all the time, if they're coming to the church and they want a, they want a, a perfect pastor, hey, go someplace else, you know, because that ain't going to happen here. Because I'm going to talk about the things I'm going through. So I'll give you a copy of that. But... Um, that, that's just kind of my journey, my story. And I am committed to developing followers of Jesus Christ who, out of their integrity and their followership, can learn to be leaders, can learn to influence others as they follow. And it's what Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's, that's leadership. Amen. That's leadership. Paul never stopped following. His commitment was always to follow Christ. And he could say, as I'm serving and I'm following, that I want others to serve and to follow the way I'm serving and following. Okay, So that's, that's this whole servant leadership model that, that we embrace and that we, uh, that we want to be part. Um, our vision for servant leadership is a, is a document in the back here. You can see what we've put together here. There's also some leadership tools back in the back of that as well. So that's kind of my story. That's kind of what we do here. Out of uh, the, the process of having a leadership development process that was simple and replicable, we really knew here at the fellowship we needed to develop a leadership model system and process. And so I can't think of anyone better to tell us about that than, uh, than the director of leadership development, uh, Gail Edmondson. Give, give a big hand for Gail.
we'll do is I'm going to talk a little bit about nuts and bolts of what we've done and what works here. Anything that you can take, that you can, as he said, plagiarize, glean from, learn, it is Plagiarism with permission. Yeah, so there's not plagiarism. Yeah, really, not know. at all. Um, I'm going to hand you paper copies, but I've got digital copies of everything. I know that I've supplied Chad with, with that in the past. I love it. Chad's not even here. We can say anything we want. This is it's awesome. recording. Oh, sorry, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> So let me go ahead and pass these things out, okay. and then we'll go piece by what, piece. What do you want first? Um, the uh, levels of leadership. And actually, you can go ahead and pass some, all of them out. That'll just save time. And like I said, well, I'll just we won't go through them word by word, but I will share with you um, some specifics, um, how to interpret them, what they are. So faith walking, I made a note of this. Uh, Faithwalking.us. That's the website. So, um, yeah, that will tell you all all you need to know about faith walking and, um, you know, any group, congregation, multiple churches can can implement that. Or you can go through it as individuals. They've got all kinds of links and, and opportunities on their website. Faithwalking.us. Faithwalking.us. If you ever want to go through Faithwalking, it's a a core four courses. Um, We host those here at the fellowship. They're open to the community, to anyone uh, to attend. And um, yeah, yeah, and I'd love to do that. one for pastors and for church planters. Even if we wanted to that's do one, we idea. we could do one just for church planters. If that's something that y'all want to do, but uh, it, it's a faith walking one hundred and one is a two day retreat, and then two hundred and one is twenty four weeks. Uh, but you go every other week to a to a group like this, and then every week you get a coach who coaches you and usually one or two other people. So a coaching call, there's homework that you're working on for your own personal transformation, and uh, you get really good tools uh, that really will equip you for the missional life the rest of your life and for you to equip other people too. It's very practical. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah, there it's... Mm-hmm. Um, version of it? Yes. They do offer it online. Yeah. yeah they sure do. Um, and I'll share more a little bit about uh, faith walking. Faith walking, yes, our spiritual formation process, it's really all about self-leadership. So we offer opportunities here that are for um, equipping, and that's at the ministry level. Every ministry um, has equipping for their individual ministries and training. And then what we like to do at the leadership level uh, where I am is to offer for all of our leaders opportunities for development and that's personal development that impacts them in personally and in their homes as husbands or wives as sons and daughters and also impacts them in their ministries and at their jobs that are outside of their ministry context so that's a lot of what we do um, so the first document let's look at um, is this levels of leadership right here So Jerry mentioned Leadership Network. I'll just give them a lot of credit, mostly for um, a group that we brought together of our staff and elders 
that went through leadership network process gave us an opportunity to just think about what leadership looks like in our context. And the very first thing we did was we had to determine what are our levels of leadership. So this is looking at, um, we didn't put team member level. A team member is uh, your volunteer. Any volunteer that's serving in a ministry, that's a team member. Um, and then above that, someone who leads team members is a leader. So looking across the top, uh, those are your levels of leadership. We have leader, coordinator, director, pastor. Um, so a leader is one that leads self and others. A coordinator leads leaders. A director leads ministries. And of course our pastors who lead church ministries and campus, campuses. And then down the side, you'll see that we have values, characteristics, skills and competencies, and what great looks like. Uh, for each one of these, this, you're looking at hours. You're looking at years of us getting together and putting all this down. Um, so at level one, for instance, the values of a level one, the leader, uh, core values would be love, authenticity, integrity, and courage. Those are core values for us uh, just uh, as a church. Um, and then for a coordinator at level two, that little, that little arrow in core values. So a level, one, level two leader embodies all of the core values of level one plus team values of collaboration, potential in others, trust, and commitment. And then at level three, the director level, then that person has all the core values of level one, the team values of level two, but they also have the ministry values, action bias, curiosity, empowerment, diversity. And then at level four, that's missional values. Uh, the pastor is going to have all of these core values, team values, ministry values, and in addition to that, uh, the missional values. A lifelong learner, excellence, innovation, transformation. And so that, and that's how this is laid out for each one of these sections of values, the characteristics, the skills and competencies. What great looks like is um, a little blurb that we've written about what a leader who is, um, you know, if they're doing it all, um, none of us probably reach great uh, in any of these areas, but it is something to shoot for. I guess one of the things really important um, to say, too, is really it's less about doing and it's more about being. Uh, and there's a tension there because doing is involved. Um, in a minute, one of the documents we'll look at is going to say that you know, these are the core essentials. We're expecting you to be a member of the church. Um, you know, we're expecting you to be growing in self-leadership. So it's going to list those things. But there's, it's also tr intrinsic. Uh, the leadership, we're looking for people that really have that, um, those built-in passions and gifts, like God-given uh, skills that make them a leader. And we also realize that that can be something that's mentored, and that can be built in a person as well. So those are the things that, um, that we're looking for. Um, let's pull out, do you have any questions about this before we go on? Yes. Go ahead. So is this for what participants is this for? This is not for this track is for like your ministry leaders and elders. Yeah, this is 
Yeah, that's a great question. So this is, um, yeah, these are the leaders of our church. Oh, and you'll see at the bottom, I didn't mention it, elders at all levels. So we have a group of elders, and what we recognized is they are serving at all different levels. Some of our elders are leading like a small group. They're a leader. Other elders are coordinating uh, leaders of ministries. So this is, um, yeah, explain it. Yeah, so one thing I'd say, this is like a development track. Every leader could be a pastor. If they felt called to that, if somebody said, you know, I, I want to, I think God's called to be a pastor, I'd say, so where are you leading? And we're going to develop you to be a leader and then a coordinator. We're going to develop you from coordinator to be a director. And you're going to show your chops and you're going to see if you can lead people and lead ministries and work you into that. So this is a development process. Now, some people may stay leaders all their life and never become coordinators or never become directors. But this is the levels of leadership and we tend to hire from within. So this is a great development process for us as we develop leaders as they come up. They are future pastors and elders in our church. Do you struggle with like people who like are not level four leaders or level three leaders? Like they aspire to be those things, but they just don't have that. Yeah, you know, I mean, there are people who, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, uh, there are people. There are people who just. You know, for they just don't. They don't. They got a lid. You know, as, as Maxwell talks about your leadership lid. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's got them. Well, they, they don't rise above that. And you know, but you know, and we don't want to be involved in the Peter principle. Y'all familiar with that? You know, promoting people to their level of incompetence. Uh, you know, you do great here, so then you get the next job, and then you're incompetent there, and you keep getting jobs until you get to the level of incompetence. We don't want to do that. So we really want you to, to be successful at, at whatever ministry you know God's called you to. So we'll keep developing people, but that may just mean that they grow spiritually and, and they continue to be a life group leader and lead a small group. And that's wonderful. And they just continue to mentor people and have apprentices and grow that. So it's not everyone has to be see this as a track to be a pastor or an elder. You can stop at any level. Yeah. So does your elder team, uh, how, uh, do, they, do they take the same role as the deacons, or what is their positions? Their... Well, our, our, we don't have deacons, and so our elders, they, they are spiritual leaders. Uh, we have a subset called our pastoral management team that functions as a board, so it's a subset that we draw people out of the larger elder body. Uh, and then our, our, our uh, church serves in the servant roles like right there. Yeah. To piggyback on that, how were you able to get out of that? How were you able to get out of the commitments, be part of the UBA and all that? Like, how were you? How did you disconnect yourself from a deacon board, be part of like the Baptists, who now like having your elder elder board? That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to revitalize the church now. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to create an elder team um, and have guys that I'm grooming to for that, yeah. but still part of the Baptist. Convention. Yeah, Baptist churches are very autonomous, right? And there's there's a huge amount of diversity in Baptist life. Uh, we're just on this end of diversity way over here. <laughs> we still don't do things like traditional Baptist churches. I mean, we we just don't. But that's okay. I mean, our theology and our basic, you know, background we're considered Baptist. Uh-huh. But we wouldn't even call ourselves a Baptist church. We say we're not. But how did you guys, like, what you guys can use, like, um, what steps could we take? So let's say, for instance, right now, we want to be able to find out 
these core values, like everything that you have here, but how do we set up that elders team? How do we set up? That may be a different conversation. Okay. So, uh, but I think it's a great question, but that may be a whole different conversation of just the ecclesiology. Yeah. Yeah. How do you go about doing that? So, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. Sure, I'm very curious. So how, how does this track work with like the spiritual formation of, of the entire church body? You bet. How, does it, how do those two... Get all together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really curious. Yeah, you bet. Let me, I'm gonna, about to get to that. That's a great question. Um, let me say, go back just for a minute to um, a minute and say, uh, Jerry alluded to it earlier when we started the church. If you had a pulse, you could serve. Um, and I like to say, uh, if you came and attended once and you had a pulse, you became a volunteer. And if you came twice and had a pulse, then you were a leader. And then all of our ministries, we had leadership development going on, but they were like silos. Everybody, the children's ministries got their leadership stuff going on. And, and we have a terrific elder program. It's a year long. And so they've got their thing going on every Every ministry is doing kind of their own thing. And they all had names, different names for their leaders. So what we did, and this is only, you're looking at about a work that began maybe about four or five years ago. So it's really taken a lot, and we're still working on um, getting this into our DNA. So, yeah, we're right there trying to get all this implemented. We're finally starting to make just a little bit of progress. Matter of fact, if you had been here last year, last May when we spoke to the group, then we, uh, we weren't near this far along even. Um, so, uh, but to say that, um, so this is an attempt to uh, uh, define what leaders are across all ministries. So they're all using the same exact language. So if you'll pull out the leadership brochure that looks like this next, and one says apprenticeship and one says leadership. So just make sure you get the one that says leadership. Um, just opening it up, you'll see the levels of leadership in here. So we developed this brochure to um, explain to our general church, anyone who's new, as well as those who have been here a long time and we're saying, oh, here's what we're doing now. Uh, but this describes the levels of leadership that we just talked about. Um, we talk about on that left-hand side, leadership at the fellowship, um, that we're committed to identifying and discipling tomorrow's servant leaders in our church today by building a body of leaders who are godly in character, humble in calling, and committed to serving the mission and others on mission. A servant leader's development and qualifications are based upon biblical values, spiritual maturity, and commitment to the mission. So we talk a little bit about what leadership is and what it looks like. Uh, we've got the diagram of the le levels of leadership. And then that where you see underneath that where it says leader, coordinator, director, pastor, elder, all that is on your other diagram is what great looks like. That's the blurb. It's what great looks like. Uh, and then it's, we gave them my contact information because there are some people that come to the church and say, I want to lead something. Um, which is awesome. Now, there's been not a whole lot of them. Uh, most people were, were just, you know, developing, enticing, or tapping them on the shoulder to say, well, what I see in you are leadership skills, and I can let me pour into you and, and teach you to do what I do. I'll talk more about that. Uh, on the little back fold, that's the core essentials I talked about. Step track, 
um, pretty much every ministry. I don't know of a ministry that uh, does not require you to be a member. Membership is a thing at our church. So um, we do require membership for leaders, a submission to um, the pastors and elders in the church. Um, and, and step track is the way that you go through that. And then the self-leadership, uh, that can be lots of different things that ideally this is where the faith walking comes in and the spiritual formation process come, comes in. We invite. We don't require, but we do invite our leaders uh, to, uh, to be a part of that process. Genius, oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> This helps a person fall into place without marginalizing them. That's right. And, and dealing with the after, I think a lot of systems deal with the after. Like we stick somebody somewhere and then we find out, oh, they don't get there. Yeah, like yeah. Be there. And then mm-hmm. we deal with the after. This helps that for that not to happen. Right? Ah, thank so I, you. I, I, I need some more time with that person. So I can hear about like the whole thing walking system. Thanks. Because that's not going to do a good justice to look around that much. So I need to like you. Your are, I will be happy to talk with you. You bet. One of the things that the faith walking has done for us is it's given us a common language um, to have a really grace-filled community. So uh, when someone shows up and they talk about, well, I'm just not really fitting here, this is not working for me, a lot of times you see those people just not show up and then just drop out of church out of shame. You know, it really gives us a common language where we can say, hey, there is no judgment, there is no condemnation on you. We're just observing. This is not working. And so let's talk about, you know, where you see yourself working. You move to another ministry and move to another role. Did you have a question? No. Are you stretching? I had an itch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. I have a question, though. Yes. Um, And uh, Cotton over here is like, I'm just going to get to it, but I just want to just make sure. What if you do have a a young fellowship and uh, you're tempted to take anyone with the pulse and uh, compromise the standard that you're setting, or in Cotton's case, very few Christians. Yes. And good luck in unity. And, and so, because um, right now we don't have a lot of people mm-hmm. saying, I want to lead, they just want to come and partake. And so we're trying to change the culture from just being a consumer to being a contributor. So do we have, is that going to be addressed uh, at some point? Or? This is a good time to do that, probably. I, mean, I would say at um, when you've got a, a lot of seekers or you're at a, you know, your congregation's smaller, then your your structure fit is smaller. It, it's going to fit. Everybody's smaller. level one. We're getting to level They one. might be, sure. yes. Exactly. You just have leader. You just have a leader in a ministry, and they're leading a couple of other people. Um, and then as more people come on, and I'll, I will talk about the how we're developing, but as more people come on, then you're developing them. Yeah, in, in your organizational structure, it can be rather flat. So everybody's leader, and right now we've given you multiple levels, but the truth is, if you're a pastor and you have a small group of people, you're functioning as pastor, director, coordinator, <laughs> yeah. so you've got all these leaders. So, and what that means for you is, but it, it helps you in your mind. You're thinking, oh, i got to develop coordinators. So what we tell all our pastors, stop doing. Start developing. Yeah. Your role is to develop, develop, develop. So if you've got leaders, I need one of those leaders to rise to the top, become my coordinator for those leaders. Then I need 
that coordinator to mentor another one, and then I'm going to start mentoring one of those that's going to be a director. I'm, I'm thinking development, 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 even when it's really low. I mean, it's, it's a flat structure, okay? Because as you do grow, you will need leadership levels. It's discipleship. It's, you're discipling them, yeah. You're discipling them. So you're saying to start that from the beginning. From the beginning, yeah. Yeah, question. Uh, I was wondering, well, is it a lot easier to measure your disciple making now than when you first started? How did that change having this kind of system compared to when you were first going with it? Yeah, I, I do more counting. You want to talk about, because you deal more with the dashboard. Um, yeah, so, so, I mean, uh, so let me see if I understand. So you're saying that now that we have this, this makes it, uh, how, how has it made it easier, more effective, like just measuring disciple making? You know what I'm saying? Just within the church. I just want to learn how you process through that. And you know, that, that's a great question because, um, you know, for us, uh, our, everything we're doing is about disciple making. Mm -hmm. And so it gets measured on our dashboard. The metrics that we measure are a lot of different, different, uh, different metrics. But we don't have a single metric that says disciple. Because it's all a disciple. It's all, and we're all growing. Because for us, and we even say it's in faith walking. If, and you guys already know this, if if the word disciple mathetes means learner, then it is we're always learning the ways of Jesus, and we're always learning. So we want people. So our discipleship making process is all about creating learners, and we've been saying faith walking. What if this whole thing yes. is all about our learning? Amen. So I'd be able to ask anyone in touch, what are you learning about the ways of Jesus? What are you learning about yourself, about God, and others? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, so we want to make sure that we have processes and systems and things that are helping people learn the ways of Jesus to be on mission with Him in the place they live, work, and play. So our measurements are like, are you on mission with God? Are you in community with others in a group? Are you using your spiritual gifts? Uh, are you serving someplace? Are you stepping it up into leadership. So those are all components of what we'd say are making disciples. Yeah. And this does help us have those points of measurement on our metrics. Yeah. Yes. Two questions. Uh, one, did the leadership, this leadership pipeline, mm -hmm. did it come through Oxano or any outside consultant? No. Nope. Uh, or was it just That's like in-house work? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, is this, this is us. This is us. We collaborated on the verbiage and what the leaders look like and decided on our levels. And then um, I think I ended up putting it into, this is an Excel file I just that I put together. It's, I probably had a template. Oh, really? They do. Yeah. So they're super expensive. Yes, I will. I will. Yeah. Yeah. Second question is, have you, you said this has been around for four years, have you seen any success? Taking somebody from a level one to, I mean, hopefully a faster role. Have you seen any 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 leaps in the uh, progression of learning? I guess in an individual. We have had some that even before we had it all really figured out and, and church wide, uh, where we have members who have become become pastors. Our missions pastor now. Um, came to the church, I think, about 16 years ago, was a member. Eventually, he and his wife uh, felt called to missions and went overseas to Indonesia, came back, and Jerry began to tap him on the shoulder and say, what I see in you, Glenn, what you could do, and, and he began doing that as a 
volunteer uh, serving uh, unpaid and has moved into a paid position on our staff, gone through pastoral training. Uh, we have, Jerry does a pastors in training, a pit group. Yeah, so I do, I do for elders in training, I have a one-year program that I do called EIT, elders in training, and then I have a PIT, pit group, called pastor in training. So, which is, you know, again, it's kind of like what y'all are going through, but it's a, but it's a one-year uh, systematic theology, it, it, you know, calling, competency, uh, uh, context, and character. So I kind of do these four blocks with reading and study. So they have to go through that. It's a self-selection process as well. Oh, yeah. Our teaching pastor, I got saved here or right before they came here and has uh, come up through our church over the last uh, probably eight or ten years, I think, and into our teaching pastor. Um, our children's pastor came out of the corporate world. Most of our pastors have come from within and um, yeah. Before we we didn't have a pipeline even. Now we're trying to formalize it. But yes, they did. You know. Explosive topic, obviously. Yeah. I got like 29 questions, and so I'm just going to say. Sure, sure. Yes. One, um, how does this relate, or does it relate at all to your discipleship program? Like Bible studies and uh, what type of, when you say discipleship programs. Well, do y'all have a, like any kind of schematic for discipleship, like similar, where you're, where you're looking at where folks are at and moving them along, or is that something that y'all don't do? Or? Like your small groups? Or? We have yeah. small groups. We have something called Life University. So that's, so small groups are about community. Um, Life University is financial peace university or topical Bible studies that we offer. Um, and I thought that way. Yeah, so how, so, how, so how does it relate to those things? Yeah, those so are opportunities. Those are opportunities. And, and opportunities so... Opportunities for leadership. Opportunities to attend for a general person or a leader can attend those, but also to be a leader in that and to grow in leadership in that. So yeah, we offer those as opportunities. Did you want to say something about that? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, when, when we were with Leadership Network, a lot of churches struggled with this leadership development process, discipleship process. Right, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. What we discovered was that that we put them together. Yeah, okay. So what we what we said was, faith walking is our primary um, spiritual formation discipleship model. So we, we want every adult to go through that. And what we see is as they go through that, man, their lives are being radically transformed into the image of Christ. And they are growing and they are equipped to continue their ongoing transformation throughout the rest of their life, which is really powerful. And do they do that in small groups or do they do that? Uh, that's done through our core, what we call core four, right. which is our classes. Okay. But they continue that on okay. after they're finished. But... So we say there's that piece, and what we discovered was that piece was producing the best leaders. So we just put all that together. So we'd say, and leadership is, it begins with self-leadership in the area of spiritual formation discipleship, which is our faith walking. So we see it connected very much. Let me ask another question about, I'm just thinking of the implementation of this. So let's say you've got a guy who's level four, holy smokes, he can teach scripture. He's incredible. But shows shows up late sometimes, so maybe not high. He's level two, or maybe he's not quite level two in responsibility. 
how do you place him schematically here? What, what, what's your thought process with regards to that person? Do you want me to yeah, share about sure. that? Yeah. yeah. So think of this as more organizational, uh, more about your organizational, um, mm -hmm. yeah, hierarchy, and I don't know the right word to call it there. It's but aspirational. Yes. Like, that's what ask, is aspirational the word? It's, I, think it, I think that's yes. what, I think that what you're looking at, this is an aspirational model. Right. Yeah. There may be some that's people good. that you know can get there, and you're willing to invest in them to get them there. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, don't look at as, and Gail said it earlier, uh, we really view discipleship and leadership more about being than doing. Right. It is about we're human beings, not human doings. Mm -hmm. And even though there's a lot of doing stuff, we're really focusing on the development of the person That's in right. the context of competency. That's right. So we have a coordinator, for instance, in our children's ministry. Great heart. She loves kids. And, and she really feels called that, and, and hopes that one day she'll be pastoring or, or doing something, uh, children's ministry um, leading. Right now, she's young. She's in her 20s. Uh, right now, she is um, at a coordinator level. She's going through Faith Walking 101 for the first time this weekend because our children's director that is over her has invited every one of her leaders. Um, she's challenged them. In 2018, I'd love to see you uh, complete 101 and 201. It, yes, but at the very least, begin that journey. Because to go all the way through faith walking, if you hit it hard, it's going to take a couple of years to get through that. It's, it's ongoing. So, yeah, aspirational, that's, that's a great way to put it. And I, when I first was putting all this down, I had next to all these things these little check boxes because I was thinking that way. Okay, this means I've got to, if a leader, they've got to check these boxes in order to be a leader. And that's really not the way it works. Like I said, it's really more out of a being. So these are positional leaderships that aspirational and that everyone's being developed and coming along in these ways. Yeah. So, so trying to clarify, I'm putting my camera over and make sure I understand what you're saying. You got leaders who are leading leaders. That's or right. everybody's leading somebody. Leaders, yeah, lead teams. Slash, they're discipling somebody. Yeah. And to find out when that person who they're discipling is ready for the next level, that's through that relational discipleship. So you measure where that person is in Christ by whoever is leading slash discipling that person. Am I jumping ahead of you? Yeah, that's a great segue. Okay. Pull out the apprenticeship yeah. brochure. <laughs> yeah, because Gail is about apprenticeship, because that's yeah. how we view okay. getting ready, yeah. so ready for the next yeah. lesson. So that, yeah. that that guy's leader checks that guy and goes, hey, man, you've been being late for, you know, what's going on? And that's where it, it kind of falls into place. Yeah, because he's going to be that guy. He's going to be another that girl. There's a level mm -hmm. of accountability in this. Yeah. Right. It's extremely relational. Very, very relational. Not something I grew up with. So, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Most churches don't have that. Yeah. And I can't say that we had it. Um, and this is not something we started even 20 years ago. This is really, it is a slow process, but it's starting to get into our DNA. Um, yeah, I, I can't stress enough that what's going really, really well and what you're seeing in these documents now is, is still a work in progress and just it starts really small and beginning to just work slowly through it. 
So apprenticeship document, that's probably the best next place to go because it's the how, how to. So what is apprenticeship um, on the inside? Apprenticeship is the method in which a person learns a job or a skill from another who already possesses the know-how. It involves a mentor, that's the, the leader, who reproduces himself or herself in an apprentice by passing on passion, knowledge, and skills. At its core, apprenticeship is hands-on leadership training by an individual who mentors an apprentice to do what he or she does. So in our DNA, what we're really trying to, to work on is for every person, even at the team member, just a volunteer in the nursery level, to teach someone else to do what they do, reproduce themselves in someone else. And, um, and in that way, that's how the development happens. And it is still um, a challenge for us. But we're beginning to get, get it down, but it's a challenge for us to think that way because we didn't do that for a long time. Somebody moved away or dropped out of church or left, or, then we're scrambling around looking for someone to fill a role. So if um, leadership development, uh, you have that as part of you know, what you do at the core, the DNA in your church, then, uh, then you're constantly developing those leaders. That makes sense? Is this confusing or hard? <laughs> so, do, we, do we have this information um, like in a Word document? Yeah, I'll give it all to you. You bet. I'll give it to Chad. He can just give it to you guys. It's, it's brilliantly disciplined. I'm, I'm not a systems. It's systems are really, really hard for me. Sure. Yeah. Really, really no, I understand. I think systems. Um, and so that's why we really had to kind of even keep making it you know, simpler. And for some, it's just going to be do. You know, you're at Friends of Sundown t-shirt. Have you served in Friends of Sundown? I have. Yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so if, if we were to put this like a narrative form, mm -hmm. new person comes in, you preach the gospel, you tell him come back three times, he visits with you and says, hey, I want to become a Christian, mm -hmm. then what? Sometimes even, he just says, because he's not a Christian, he didn't know what to do, he okay. says, well, I'm a really good person, and I want to become... I want to know more about the church. And so then he signs up for Discovery Lunch, is what we call it. That's the first step on the step track. So he comes to the Discovery Lunch. He's going to hear about the church. He's going to meet other people. And because it's usually a small group, so we may have a few tables. He's going to meet some of the staff members. And he's going to hear the gospel there, too. So if he didn't already hear the gospel several times in church and respond to it, then he's going to hear it really nuts and bolts here and have an opportunity to respond at that place too and a lot of people that come to our church actually that's where they come that's to faith in christ, christ is, in is that decision place yeah. and then mm. he's invited he's like oh and we have three more steps on the step track four total and next is step in and that's how do i get into a small group um where do what do I, what about serving and spiritual gifts so step in is the next Sunday, you know, for instance, during one of the services, he comes to step in, hears about that, possibly some of the same people that went to Discovery Lunch with him. Uh, since you can do these in any order, the steps, then there may be people, you know, that you know, are different places on that step. Uh, the step after that is called step up, and that's what I'm really presenting to you guys. This is the step up, step up into leadership. 
So if you, you love to lead, maybe you came from another church where you were a leader. Hey, how do I get into leadership in this church? Or you're just gifted as a leader and this your passion, your heart beats to lead. Uh, then you're going to find out more about that in the step up. You're also going to hear all through the way you pretty much hear about faith walking. Uh, but once again, you'll get an invitation to faith walking and step up. And, and then say, last step, step out. I'll also hear about personal leadership. Personal leadership. Which is because everyone has to be personal. That's right. mm-hmm. So that's where everybody is. That's right. And then step out is the fourth step, and that's where you on mission um, in the world. Uh, when the place you live, work, and play. Yes. And Glenn, and Glenn is good. And Glenn comes in and does step yeah. out. Okay. That's very helpful. One of the questions I have, so the system, the closest thing that I've seen related to kids is what Brian created for Kingsland okay. and the legacy milestones. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious how this, to me this seems like what Brian developed is the legacy milestones, how you go from birth to adulthood, you know, through childhood and adolescence. This is a similar thing for leadership. Yes, for de- developing adults as disciples into leaders um, in your church. Is that, am I understanding? I'm not fam- that familiar with that, yeah. but you might be. Where, 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 they're, where they're similar is they're both a process okay. and a mm-hmm. system that moves people along the line. Of course, the legacy milestones are a, a period of 18 years, Yes, you know, for a child. Uh, and this is an, an adult moving them through it. It's a dis- basic discipleship process. The, the step track from membership to mission is is just basic discipleship 101. I mean, it's that you go through that, you get the foundation. You go through faith walking for two years, and that's spiritual formation. It's a toolkit, and you you get it, and you go through the core four, and you come out the other end, you've taken it another level deeper. Uh, then somewhere along the line, you get into leadership, and you move into those levels, whether it's to be a pastor or an elder, then you've got uh, another year, it's, it's even a deeper level. Those are just all levels of, of leadership, development, and discipleship, and we just put them all together. So yeah. the follow-up question is like, so this is like, we're not going to make it through whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so the faith walking, is it part of the step process, or does it rest alongside the step process? Yeah, it's all sort of interconnected. It's It's, a parallel process. It is. It's a parallel process. It's all the opportunities are there. It's uh, for those of you that aren't the system thinkers. It's it's really more for you because it's very um, interconnected and almost messy, all happening at the same time. Which for someone like me, I'm just trying to put it on paper, and it's still. Yeah, organic. Yes, it's much better. And you have. If you've ever, like um, our missions pastor where he lives, he has an organic garden, and so we get this um, cabbage from him, and there's bugs in it, and they've eaten, so there's holes in it. And that's the way I like to think about this. It's, it's organic, but it's got lots of, yeah, organic stuff in it. What was the first step again? Sure. This in the book, what should you get? So did we? Oh yeah, we talked about apprenticeship. We were in apprenticeship, but we had some questions. Did y'all want it? Let me finish talking about this. Okay. So apprenticeship book. I mean, apprenticeship brochure um, just talks about it's biblical, it's practical, why it's important. It's what Jesus did with the disciples. Yeah. And um, then how does it work? Uh, 
And again, this is something we developed that every ministry can do so we have the same language about um, leadership development. And that is that it's watch me and you invite someone to uh, join you, watch what I do in this ministry, and then I'm going to let you share in that with me. And then eventually you do that, I'll watch you, and you get launched to be a leader, to be able to do what I do in ministry. That's that's kind of the yep, high points. Yes. So uh, we're going to pause, mm -hmm. but to continue during lunch, okay? So I want to give Gail the opportunity to continue to talk through things and present and for you the chance to dialogue and ask questions. So what Chad and I had talked about earlier was just to continue the dialogue during lunch, okay? So uh, can I just pray and bless the food and we're going to pass out, uh, are they Jason, Jason's Deli lunch, box lunch kind of stuff, I think is what they are. So sorry guys, nothing fancy. We're, 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 we're not about the physical food, we're about the other stuff, right? So give you other things. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for food. Uh, and uh, we just thank you for how you provide. Uh, we're reminded uh, just in this a simple time of, of, uh, of eating that, uh, Lord, you are the one that provides everything that we need. So yeah. uh, we just ask you to strengthen us, yeah. bless us. Lord, thank you for uh, just what you're doing in our hearts and in our yeah. lives, even in this time. Thank you for being present with us. Mm -hmm. uh, Lord, this is for, uh, we know, for our good and for your glory. And we ask all this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, are they all the same or are they divided up? We do a little different. This time separates them by meat. Okay, all right. Okay, so uh, we'll just grab lunch, and whenever you grab lunch, come back, open up, eat, and then just in a couple of minutes, we'll kick back up, okay? All right. Well, I guess we could stop. Pause it. Just don't forget to. I didn't pause.